One. Honestly, what did Powell say yesterday that you haven't heard on pre-market prep for like the last two months? They're not done fighting inflation. There may be another quarter. There may be another half. Rates aren't going down in 2024. If you're going to give a mixed earnings report, you better have good guidance. FDX versus KBH. IPOs destroyed. Cisco buying Splunk. We got one heck of a show for you today. Let's get pre-market prep started. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Morning, traders and investors. Let's run down the futures here. Week close never got over that closing print, 44.47, trading off the lows of the session, down 35 handles, 44.12. Buck clears 105, up 52 cents, 105.31. Bonds getting pounded down a point and a half, making a new low of the move. Crude under 90, down 42 cents. Everyone hates gold down 2780 at 1939.30. Silver in the red by almost 50 cents and nearly 2% at 2338. Bitcoin futures, they're hanging in there. They're down 100 in $90 at $26,800. Let's say bring in uh, Triple D here. And Triple D, I want to rant. I mean, no. what new information did you get yesterday? What Nothing. new no, we knew that. We knew he was going to be hawkish. I mean, the market was stupid for starting to think that he was going to like talk about pivoting again. The market continues to be just ignorant to it. Wants a pivot. But you, you it's your rant, Joel. I don't want to take no, over no, no, no. it because I mean, it upsets me too at the market. The market is dumb, Joel. It doesn't price things in. We've said this for a while. It doesn't. It's got it's got like pivot on the brain. It's like we're in the end of the cycle. He's going to hit at pivoting and we're going to rally and we're going to make new all-time highs and it's going to be so exciting. No, we're not. We're not. We've got interest rates high for a while. Here's the truth, Joel. The interest rates are going to stay elevated until the economy tips over. That's exactly. what's going to happen. Yep. That's what's going to happen. That's So exactly in either way, it's happen. not good for stocks. Nope. 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 And the other thing, too, I mean, you know, Paul in there. I mean, come on. Give the guy a break. I don't care what you think of his overall situations, but, like, the media, they just kept on, like, throwing questions at him, you know, like, just, like, getting to say, yeah, we're going to pivot, or, yeah, we're going up a half, and he just is They like, wanted him to say it. I know. I mean, they give the guy a break. Look what he's been dealing with in the, uh, in Washington since he's been there in 2016. The guy deals with the pandemic. I mean, give him, I mean, I, I don't know when his term is up, but holy macro, that guy is going, see ya. I mean, he's got the toughest job in the world there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, why stick? I mean, that that mean I'd, I'd stop doing the conferences. I'd be like, here's a rate decision. Do what you want. You know, here, here's the information. Talk to you in three months. But, man, it's hitting the market. Uh, but, man, we got other things to cover. I mean, did you think you would see a big-time deal 
in uh in the tech sector look not at right Cisco. now timing of this is very interesting i mean yeah you've got obviously you know the stock market teetering here this should help i mean some stocks you'd think some cloud would get some love off this we're not seeing any real sympathy moves here but give us the deal of the news bringing money mitch here give us the news it's a big deal broke at 7 45 this morning so 20 minutes ago here what's up money mitch is you in the background money mitch What's going on, guys? What's up? You're hiding on me again. You're always hiding. You're Joe doesn't like hiding. to bring me on early. But let's we get like, to the we action. Like you on. We like you on. Get on here. Tell let's... me about the Splunk deal. Cisco to acquire Splunk to help make organizations more secure and resilient in an AI-powered world. Proposed deal for $157 a share in cash, wow. representing $28 billion in equity value. Who got the better deal here, Splunk or Cisco? Definitely not Cisco shareholders are getting hit here this morning. <laughs> but um, this was rumored last year, not Cisco to be the acquirer, but Splunk was rumored a couple of times to be bought last year. I can remember talking about it on the show. So this has been rumored around. Um, I, I don't know if anybody was speculating ahead of it. Obviously, it had the earnings gap there back in August and it held yep. that pretty well really wasn't selling off with the overall market so technically it actually was relatively strong sometimes you see these deals and you're like well nobody saw this one coming i mean they were buying this thing it really wasn't selling off even the last few days didn't sell off much so um definitely seems like some sneaky buyers in here but holy you know 157 nice premium here joel um <laughs> cisco probably the stock to get talked about now because this is going to go off the board the Splunk deal 157. I don't see a lot of antitrust issues here, so I wouldn't be surprised if you do see this pop substantially. Obviously, maybe into the 150s. I don't think there's going to be a big discount here for antitrust. Um, Cisco getting whacked down two bucks here, paying a huge premium. Um, all cash. There goes a lot of their cash. Cisco thoughts one on the premium, two Cisco trading action. Wow, it's uh, you know, we're first of all, we were looking for peers, and it's tough because the peers we were looking at are some big old companies, your Adobe's and your CRM's. Uh, secondly, full disclosure, I've owned Cisco for a really long time, I think in the low 40s. I've just watched it go up and down, hasn't been a great, you know, a super yeah. great investment, but I'm up on it. This doesn't really change anything. I, I kind of like the move. I mean, they, you know, in this environment, they must be extremely confident that this is something they can really add to the bottom line. And when's the last time Cisco made a deal? I could, like, I go long I mean, uh, time. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the price action is, you know, they're hitting the acquire. I don't think anyone's going to come in at a higher price. Uh, technically speaking, if you got caught short in the earnings gap, well, this is your opportunity as that gap gets filled at uh, right here. What's the high on that day? Oh, way up there at 53.52. So if the street likes this deal, and I don't know if it's going to be today, tomorrow, or next week. You know, it's gonna it's gonna form a base. It's gonna form three or four lows. It's gonna find support and turn back higher. If the if the street doesn't like the report or doesn't like the deal, then it won't it won't see fifty five fifty for a while. But uh, really, on this kind of day too, like when you know announcing it, the market circumstances and everything, yeah. I, I it's a bull move. I, I I'm I'm happy as a Cisco shareholder. I'm happy. What that means is probably not a whole lot. 
Maybe I'm, long-term happy, short-term traders in Cisco obviously are not happy if they're long it with the stock getting hit down $2.40. I mean, it's been relatively strong, very strong. Old school tech has basically, in kind of value tech, lower PE tech, has actually been relatively strong compared to a lot of other stocks here. You're getting whacked. Is there a spot, spot a technical level here, CSCO? Throw it back to you, Money Mitch, here. You do the technicals as well, obviously, and do a great job with them. Is there a spot you'd be looking at this, you know, from a retracement standpoint of maybe buying the dip here? Or are you just hands off on something like this? You got to let it uh, kind of leak a little bit, give it some time, get some sideways yeah. action, because right now you're kind of in the middle of the monthly charts. And when you're in the middle of the monthly charts, what are you? pretty much probably a pig right now, right? Um, whether you, you see it like that or not, I never like to be in the middle of those charts. So you guys see the, the right chart, you're in the middle of it. Yeah. Oh that's, yeah. That's the problem there is that I don't feel like you're with the bulls or the bears. You're kind of in yeah. between. I, and wanna... I'm just not in the buy-in mood either. I think 50 <laughs> bucks maybe. If you got down to 50, maybe you think about it. But I just don't know. I'm in the buy-in mood for anything here. And I'm not surprised that they're punishing this. I'm actually surprised. It's all cash. If it was a stock deal, they'd hit it more because sometimes on the stock deals, obviously, now there's risk arbs involved, you know, bringing stocks down so they don't have to bring the splunk up as much. Um, so the whole cash deal helps it, but big lot of cash gone. You want, you want to talk about old school tech and you want to talk about the most surprising chart that <laughs> I've looked at in the last couple months? Yeah. Beamer. Beamer, have you seen oh, this? Hot, yeah. Yeah. It don't, don't slide by, Joe. It don't slide by us all. Look, I've seen that bad at, boy too. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that thing. It's because Dennis sold it. That's probably what happened. I've got a long position <laughs> in the trading account and a day trading account. So just full disclosure, I'm I'm actually going to sell out of it. I've just coincidentally got a day trade long on it. Because you, it has you relative were, You were doing this as an investment too a little while ago. Yeah, I there. had it from 135 and I sold at 143 and obviously shouldn't have sold. The same thing, Money Mitch. Me and you always <laughs> enter okay, sell way too early. It happens to the best of us, man. It yeah, does. I don't even think my entry was great on that one though because I took some heat on it too. So yeah, it was I, after. I went in the cash raising mode, remember, like a month ago? Obviously way early again. But I went that cash raising mode and I got rid of my Micron and my IBM and my Airbnb and my, what else? I, half my AMD. Remember I sold all that one day, I sold a whole pile of stocks. And honestly, I wish I would have kept selling even more stocks. Although <laughs> this IBM has been up substantially from there. But AMD has obviously fallen off a cliff since I've sold that half size position. Wish I would have sold it all. I sold my General Motors at 39 that, that was, was a good, good one. Too. That was a good you know, one. you're in a bear market and people are going to say, we're not in a bear market. I kind of feel like we are. Um, again, I don't do the technical definition of 20% from the high. Because if you're that. trading bear markets off that technical definition, by the time you actually start selling stocks because you're in a bear market, you are actually are already through most of the pain because, you know, stocks don't often fall more than 20%. Now, sometimes they do in COVID. Um, but I do feel like the bears are in complete control here. They've been in control for a while, probably, probably for the better part of a month, really. I mean, we had the rally in August, but we sold off, didn't make new highs in an August move. NVIDIA is broken down. I mean, head and shoulders all over the place on multiple time frames, multiple stocks. It just seems like the bears are in control. And that's why I would call it a bear market. So it's all the time um, with that frame. being said, yeah. you know, you're in a bear market when you sell a stock, 
And then you look a month later, you're like, oh, I'm glad I sold that. Where when we we're in 2020, you sell a stock, and you're like, oh, why did I sell that? That's the simplistic way to figure out if the bears are in control or the bulls are in control. Pretty happy I sold most of those stocks, Beamer being the exception. You know what? I just we've had a couple mentions here of uh, selling on Rosh Hashanah and buying on Yom Kippur, and a lot of times it's just the timing of what happens. That uh, if you want to go back and look at my article from last Friday, nice. I mean it, it, it's it's been a, a pullback, and it worked like a charm last year, but last year, when market was absolutely getting crushed, coming off you know higher levels so it's a it's a different situation we can look you know it's uh actually the day uh would be next tuesday if you're going to strict uh stick to the uh to the seasonality and the actual term but i just want to preface man it was a lot different last october when you were doing it i mean just look at the chart look at the spy monthly chart i mean this is september and october last year you were coming down here now you're coming, I mean, you're working off uh, two red candles here. You're up in July, a red candle in August, a red, looks like it's going to be a red candle in September. So, I mean, it, it happened to work on one side. I don't know about the other side, but it, it's negative talk as we're having here. There was a really positive earnings report. And, you know, Mark Chaikin and other people have said FedEx is about whether the economy, I don't know if I totally agree with that, but look at FedEx on a day like this, trading up over $13. Mitch, how'd they do? FedEx Q1 EPS at $4.55 beats the $3.74 estimate. Sales of $21.7 billion missed the $21.81 billion estimate. They do see fiscal year 24 EPS at $17 to 18 and 50 cents uh, versus a $17 and 50 cent estimate. So not too far off of that. Um, but of course, what's playing into this, of course? Well, with UPS incurring a $30 billion hit due to the five-year wage and benefit agreement, investors are now looking for FedEx to emerge as the victor in this private sector, right? And another thing to keep in mind is that FedEx has been doing what? They haven't been adding to expenses. Chop, chop, if anything, chop. they've been promising a $6 billion cost reduction initiative. So they're cutting costs, but UPS is increasing costs trying to become best of breed really what they're doing here i was nervous about this report wrong obviously because the stock has popped up 13 14 points what's interesting i find here is maybe to your point mitch ups not getting any sympathy move off this at all mm -mm. again maybe it's because they already reported fedex last report so we kind of know the ups earnings already but you know usually you see a little more than 30 cents i mean it is a rough day for the market but fedex up five percent ups is up 0.24 percent so nothing to be had um i don't want to chase anything up 13 points i mean you know you look at all the stocks if you were chasing moves even like airbnb getting added to the s p and we talked about that being a selling opportunity it kept going up after it went up another 10 bucks but now now has cratered bx was another one that was added blackstone group i think that's a sell um i just think chasing stocks when they're up 13 14 points might work in bull markets but the bears are in control man i'm not chasing it uh the thinker thinking about it is fx if uh fedex a fade i, I don't know if i can tell you exactly it's a fade but 
if you came in long the thing and you had a target of 263.76, well, there's your target. Uh, Pre-market high comes in above that level. The, or excuse me, the after-hours high, they jacked it to 265.99. So that could be another target on the upside. The only thing sticking out to me on the dailies is uh, there. I don't like to give you something unless there's a pair of highs. And there's a pair of highs at the end of August splitting 264.70. You're under that right now. You've already traded above it, but man, nice move going against the market. And then the fundamental thing I'm going to say about this is you can cut costs and you can cut costs and they can add to the bottom line, but you can only cut so much. And then you got to have more product and you got to have better sales and everything. So they're doing things the right way now. Uh, the party's on and uh, up 13 bucks, 5%. Market down less than one percent. Big move for FDX. Splunk Tech did drum. reopen just before we go to Splunk. Just reopened. I believe it opened up at one forty nine. It's one forty six here right Ooh. now. You do have the time value of money to consider. Remember, you never go one fifty seven, one fifty six, one fifty five because the time value of money is real, folks. So you got to knock that off from your price. Um, obviously, you know risk guards maybe a little bit. You're ten points down. But, you know, if the deal, so 10 points on $146 stocks, about 7 8%, there's be a little bit of risk, you know, that the deal may not go through. So the risk guards will throw that in there. And then the time value of money is probably three or four bucks. So maybe that's how you get in the 146. So I may have been a little bit high when I was thinking it was going to be at 150. Yeah, no, that's a nice pop. I mean, that 10 bucks, I really, I antitrust, I mean... I don't know. I think they did. Too, they probably too did their many companies, too many cloud companies. I don't think they have a case against this one. Okay. All right. Trading 146. I mean, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know where to buy it. 145 is the level it hit. But I think, I think also you see in these scenarios that if people have been in this thing since, you know, let's say late 2022 and Wow, it was 120 yesterday. A little worried about the market. I could get out of this at 146. All right, I'll let them. I'll let the other people worry about the. I'll let the risk arbs worry about the last 10 bucks. You know, maybe put your money somewhere else to work. Well, like that's it. When you've got the time value of money, it's a serious consideration. When we look at risk arbs, cash deals would trade almost to the price. Sometimes they go above the price because people speculate they might even get a better price. That isn't happening anymore. There's not like multiple bidders. Maybe U.S. Steel has some, but you know, this U.S. Steel keeps you know like now they're saying with Cleveland Cliffs don't know if they like what U.S. Steel is doing either. You know, you're sitting up there trying to get multiple bids there, but I mean, when you hang around and you start rejecting and not opening your books and doing stuff, eventually if those bidders all decide to go away. That isn't good news either. So I mean, I don't think there's another bidder coming for Splunk here. I don't think Risk Herbs are thinking that. Um, and then you got the time value of money, so you got 145. We're still leaking here, Dennis, uh, but just for right from that opening, uh, well, yeah. 6 p.m. opening here, falling into an area of uh, of limited support in S&Ps. There's very few days where I wake up in the morning and I have to adjust my sheet down another 30 or 40 handles. I thought we'd uh, maybe find a bid here at the 44, 12 and a quarter area. It's not that far away, depending on what your risk parameters are. But man, oh man, it's just like, uh, it's just death by a thousand cuts here so far in the after hours pre-market sessions. Tech drama is taking center stage as Broadcom shares plummet more than 5%, sending shockwaves through the market. Of course, uh, job 
uh, dropping report here from the information suggesting that Google might just cut ties with Broadcom, its AI semiconductor supplier, by 2027. Sources close to the action even hinted that Google is potentially designing its own chips. That's not all. The plot is thickening here as the report spills the beans on Google's secret to swap Broadcom's interface networking chips that are crafted uh, and soon to be crafted by Marvell technology. So they're looking to swap out Broadcom for Marvell technology. Marvell is getting a little bit of a lift here. Is it still up? Because I know that the market's dragging it, but normally uh, these are buying cool. opportunities in normal markets i'd actually look at this as a buying opportunity for avgo but we have bears fully in control here you're taking out some support that's the only thing that would make me skeptical definitely not selling it in the hole here um but normally i'd be like hungry i'd be like yeah this is a good dip to buy because i'll probably buy this right back but with bears and so much control of this overall market it makes me hesitant to put on that to to, to come in here and just call the bottom navy go but i do think there's more of a buying opportunity than a selling opportunity oh boy i'll tell you this avgo i just cannot get this earnings report out of my mind if you're looking at the upper right chart uh right here this is the day that it made its all-time high people just piling into the stock ahead of the report and i thought i don't i think the report was good and they got stuffed on it and now yeah, they, they got did. now they're stuffed they, again yeah yeah i mean i don't know you look i mean you can look at the chart and you can say oh well 776.38 was one daily low on june 6th so once again if that's your it, wow it traded under 770 dennis we it were traded, down there yeah 768 i saw yeah. i saw 760.02 760 we got down to Whew. yeah so they're already uh, buying the dip a little bit yeah they are Man. only me and you can look at a chart it's not down 50 yeah cent. down 50 and say <laughs> it's not that bad <laughs> of course i don't think uh, i don't know avgo i'll say this broadcom is on my shopping list i love the pullback i wish we were in like you know, more stabilized markets here right now, but I feel like we're not. I feel like the bears have taken just total control and I want to sell rips right now. So I'm like, I just can't bring myself to add risk to the long-term portfolio. I'm half cash and I wish it was like, I wish it was all cash. You know, hindsight capital is obviously 2020, but obviously wish I was all cash, but I'm not. Um, I just don't, I just not the is this a rumor right is this a rumor or is this like fact? No, rumors joe yeah no just oh, rumors man. information mm. it's crazy like like i said this under normal conditions i'd be a buyer you know what you probably should be a seller marvell on this because it's up 3.6 percent on this and we're in a where the bears are in control here it gets a nice relief pop here maybe it gets to 56 or 57 on silliness today I think I'd be more of a seller than Marvell than a buyer of AVGO. There's a big old gap. Big old gap in this one, well, too, uh, uh, in Marvell. Are, are you a buyer of uh, homes right now? What about KV Homes? No, no, no. <laughs> Q3 EPS, he had $1.80, beating the $1.43 estimate. Sales of $1.59 billion beat the $1.48 billion estimate. KB Homes raised fiscal year 23 housing revenue outlooks for $5.8 billion to $6.2 billion, um, and now raising it to $6.31. So that's where it was at, 5.8 to 6.2, now raising that to 6.31 
think they're selling some homes here. And I've been seeing this. They're they're trying everything they can. I'll tell you right now, at least being in a place like Charlotte that is still growing and can have room to grow, you're seeing so many apartment complexes being built, housing being built. Mm-hmm. They're pushing hard. They're pushing hard right now. <laughs> they're pushing hard and they're doing things. What is this? And I just caught it in passing. I'm not following the story closely enough, but what is this? And chat might be able to help me. They're talking about it on CNBC yesterday. What is this about the home builders paying part of the mortgages for the people who are buying them? So they I can... heard they were picking up like 200 basis points or something of, of interest. So is what happens true? is a lot of the times is that Dennis, these housing companies work with lenders, right? And so they try to yeah. establish lending that's cheaper than what you could get if you went for, yeah. let's say, a used house, right? We'll call it a used house, right? Because yeah. someone that's already owned it. So if you went for those loans, you'd probably get like, let's say, 6 to 7%. Maybe these housing companies can offer like, let's say, 5 or 6 something like that. Take a little bit off the top. To make it seem interesting. And that's why people are going to them right now to in a time affordable. Where it's a, it's just affordable, right? A little bit yeah. more. And it's a brand new house, right? And so they yeah. pitch you on that. They're yeah. they're definitely getting people right now. It's uh it's, it's how it's they're called, keeping it going. Uh this is how old school I am. I, I think like I think the term is like buying points, you know, mortgage points. And I can remember, you know, when uh rates were like you know, double digits and, you know, 11 and a half, but yeah, you could, you could buy a few points and get it down to 10 and a half and you had to kick out some money and who knew rates were going to go as low as they did. So that, I mean, that's a good point. Uh, you know, that they're doing it. I'm just going to the, these stocks have just, they've rallied in the face of just what we would think would be horrible fundamentals because of rising interest rates. Now rates, you know, are going to be higher for longer. I think it's just really hard to be trying to buy these dips on these things. I think I'd be more inclined to sell rips. Uh, do we have a monthly low? We're coming now. Nah, we're breaking our two month, uh, two month Big low. cycles Boy. over for this. Man. Yeah. Value. Yeah. I've, I've been wrong. But on the Warren, numbers, Warren just the, got in. The whole time. I know. I don't know why Warren did that. I got to call him. Which one did he buy? Uh, he, I think he bought all like, Two or three D- of them. I'm going to look it up, but D- he's got sure you guys. There's good value in them, but I think it's a peak cycle. It's That's like the hard GM part, and Ford. Right? I think they're peak cycle, even when they settle the strikes. And I mean, that might be a good conversation to just segue into, but even when they settle the strikes, the Ford and GM, I think they get a little relief pop and then they just start their downward trends again because I think they're peak cycle. I think I have a lot of trouble. And I think home builders are at peak cycle too. And they're obviously keeping it going by helping with the financing and doing all that. Maybe they always did that, but eventually these interest rates are coming. They're here. Eventually people are going to start to have less cash. Talk to the airlines, talk to, you know, some of these What's other happening companies, right now? retail. So many stocks just been like, look at Macy's. You see Macy's? Oh, is it a, you see single, Macy's single digits, 10 bucks. I mean, everybody was telling me, oh, how do you go wrong with Macy's? I saw this in my time. Real estate. They have all this real estate and the dividend. I think they cut. Did they cut the dividend? I feel like they did. I feel like they cut it back. And now it's back. If they haven't, they're probably thinking about it now. I think they cut it, Mitch. And I think they're going to cut it again. I mean, Macy's and everybody telling me Kohl's. And I remember I sold my Kohl's and I sold it way early. But, you know, then it went 28 people, 30. It's going back to 40. No, it's not. It's going back to the teens. 
That's what's happening. These brick-and-mortar retailers have always been having some problems. Nordstrom closing stores. We had this rant the other day. But, I mean, there is a tale of two markets here. You know, like we have been held up by the Apples and the Microsofts, but IWM, like, and I am long some IWM, that long-term portfolio. We are not far from the October lows. Like not, we're, we're starting to come closer to that than we were to the highs. So 162, I guess we're a little ways off here. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, we are looking like not good at all. And that's, you know, 2000 companies. There's a lot of stocks that look like crap. Now, there are some stocks that look good. Yeah. You know, old school tech technologies held up well, but there's a lot of stocks that look like absolute crap. Yeah, I could see they cut it in half. It looks like they cut it in half. They did the cut 20... Macy's? Yeah, at least I can see here. It was at like 37 cents in 2020 on March. And then at 2021 in September, it went to 15 cents. They cut the, the... dividend. So they Already cut it, it seems like in half. And now they've um, fallen again. This is the AT&T, you know, of yeah. the department stores here. The problem is all the department stores are AT&T, all these big ones, unless it's Dillard's, which we don't, you know, we obviously had Ryan but, Craver on here and he was saying Dillard's is its own thing. I have no idea what the hell Dillard's yeah, I know. About, it was but. fun to get him on. How about turning down $62 or $65 in Kohl's? Remember that? They like well, nah. it didn't. They were trying to get it. Do I remember that? That's why I got beat up, Joel. I bought that thing at like 40. It went to 45, and I thought there was going to be a deal to be had, and there was no deal to be had. And then I sold half of it at 35. I should have sold it all. And then, you know, I ended up selling oh. the rest of it like 22 or 23. And I should have sold everything, obviously. And, you know, I do I remember that? Yeah, I got the crap kicked out of me playing that deal, trying to like say, yeah, they're going to get bought. You know, it's going to be a premium here now. They, they wanted that premium. They needed that premium. And now they got problems. 9.45% dividend looks pretty good, but I don't think it's safe. Watch Richard. your bids, Dennis. Watch your bids. We got jobless it's claims going, here. Stop going Look. down market. Man, you know, I did I that mean, rant yesterday morning. I didn't want it all to happen imminent. I wasn't looking for this thing to just fall 70 handles after I had that rant, which is exactly what has occurred from this time yesterday morning. I want a little bit of pop to sell more stuff. There wasn't much pop. There, there was wasn't... no pop to be had. So it's come. It's hit us. Bears here in full control. Now, did you? Again. You must have read my rap from yesterday. What's your rap? I know my rap. I read your rap every day, Joel. But tell me about which part. I, I said bulls, bears in full control. That's what yeah. I said. They are in. They, you know, there was a. I thought they were going to be in control on Monday. You know, after the quad witch, the week close, and then they have that one, you know, one or two sneaky days ahead of the Fed. But right now, I mean, it, the Bears, the Bears are in control until the otherwise bears. notified. The Bears, the Bulls. I think a big part of this, and I think eventually we're going to hear all about it, right, is just look at the banks. They still not, they're still not talking about it. I, I, I think you're going to hear, like, like I talk about it all the time. They love to talk about it when it's too late, but the, they the KRE keeps leaking it's back down, man. The bank's leaking. Yeah. Like, I feel like everyone's just so focused in AI caught up in AI that they're just not even looking at the banks anymore. No, this is there where I think so the story is going to problems expand. under the hood. You imagine. And, and here's my, here's my prediction. 
I believe that the Fed's path that they outlined cutting, you know, later in 2024 is going to get moved up substantially. I believe we're going to get cuts in early 2024. And why is that? Because this economy is going to go kaplooey. That is what I think is already happening. I think the stocks are telling us that. I think the stocks are telling us that we have got to slow down. FedEx, good earnings. FedEx, guidance was fine. I did not see them, you know, having that good of guidance. And the consumer has been unbelievably resilient. But I just don't know if they can continue it. And I think the stocks are telling us that this is for real this time. That the interest rates, and they've talked about Ken Griffin saying, year to two years lag sometimes on that stuff. Yep. Well, you're falling into that period. You're coming to that year right now. So maybe that lag is here. Tommy Lackey talking about the second half being a lot rougher than the first. Spot on on this show when he talked in January. First half, excellent. Second half, mm, not looking nearly as good so far. Can we give it all back? I don't know if we're going to give it all back. Again, the Fed has a lot of bullets in their chamber, so it's hard to get really super bearish. That's why I hold some stocks, but a lot of me, you know. And again, you can't come and sell in today. You know, now you just dropped 80 handles in 24 hours. You're doing it now. You're doing it backwards. Wait for a pop. There's going to be another pop. There'll be something. This market's not just going straight down in the recession set. It's going to be pops. But I think on the pops, I think you got to be selling stocks. All right. Let's expand this conversation with our guest today. got Roggy Horner on the line. She's the managing director of futures trading over there at Simpler Trading. And when we get all worked up like this, it's always good to bring in a calm, yes, smoothing please. voice of reason. Calm down, guys. The end of the world is not coming. Please. And uh, that, that's a pretty big responsibility. I'll turn it over to you, Roggy. With great power comes great responsibility. So I am <laughs> great to see you all. Thank you for the world's worst lighting today. It is, uh, oh. it is an interesting, it is an interesting, I was listening to you all and I, I think back on seasonal trends and I don't know how many of you guys look at the seasonal trends, how many of the, you know, the audience listens, look at, looks at seasonal trends. The last five years by about September 16 we start that move lower. So August is absolute chop, range bound. And August did exactly what August behaves like historically. July did exactly what July was supposed to do, which is straight up. So we come out of July thinking, yay, we go into August and we need a Dramamine. We come into September. So the last three months have absolutely organized exactly like the seasonals of the last five years would suggest. And I'm looking at, so the question is, okay, Rod, great, but where's the reprieve? So if about the 15th to 16th starts that move lower, we are not going to get a reprieve until the end of the month, likely October. But if we think about the phenomena, for me, I look at Q3 to Q4. Now I'm thinking I'm an asset manager. I've got however many millions under management. I've got Q4 to look like a superstar. I start buying stuff that's cheap. I start buying stuff that's on sale. And if you look at the seasonals, once again, we'll chop around in October, but we actually start the rally towards the second half of October and into November where we chop around some more. But I'm actually looking for stuff to go on sale. If this is what September normally is like, great. Where are the blue light specials? How can I position myself with that expectation for the early 
uh, October rally. That's what's Roggy, going through my head. Roggy, how do you not be too early? And that's the issue here is, you know, we've got stocks in the last couple of days and a little bit of a free fall here. I mean, Amazon's down 10 bucks in two days. So this mm-hmm. is a serious sell-off. And then you obviously you've got another other stocks that are down too. Microsoft, a terrible day yesterday. Key reversal. Stock goes down, you know, 12 bucks in 24-hour period here. How do you not be too early or do you just, you know, buy and you take some heat and, you know, eventually we're going to pop back up? Uh, That's my concern is I'm kind of with you. I think eventually it's going to be a great buying opportunity here. Timing that sometimes really difficult. You're so right, because I love that you said too early because too early is the same as wrong. Right. We like to talk about early and late. So how do we make sure we're not on the wrong side of this? So I'm going to look for two things. Number one. If I'm going to buy anything on sale, it's got to be above the 200 period. It's got to be because that sentiment shift along the equator, you know, if you think about the most common types of scans and 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 I'm as much as we want to complicate um, technical analysis and charting, and I've probably been guilty of that too over the last 35 years. But at the end of the day, there are some really basic places that I look at on a chart. Am I above or below the year's point of control? Am I above or below that 200? I prefer the exponential, nice recency bias built into that into that math. Uh, I will not buy stuff just because it's cheap. So how do I prevent being too early? I can't start buying until early October. And how do I prevent being sort of too early and wrong? I can't buy stuff below the 200. And, and that served me. And then I remember, look, when people say, oh, the market's rigged. Yeah, it's rigged to the long side. And you, you're exactly sure. right. If we start to see that meltdown, right now, when I look at Fed Fund futures, I know everyone can look at that right here, CME Fed Watch. We're not even seeing a 50-50 shot at a rate cut until July, which is bonkers. It was closer to March, May, not but six to eight weeks ago. We're going to see the Fed Fund futures start to put the screws to Jerome Powell and say, look, this is what we're expecting, and this is how we're communicating it to you. You got to cut sooner. We get you're not going to cut in 2023. That was never really uh, a, a probability, but now you've moved it out to July, and we're ticked off, and we're going to let you know. Rocky, I know you've been uh, you've had some nicknames for Jerome Powell. I called him Pumping Powell for a while, and and I know you've kind of uh, you've kind of played on that theme similar. I mean, come on. I mean, the guys, are, to me, he's in between a, a rock and a hard place and, you know, the position he's been in over, since 2016. What would you do differently if you were head of the Fed? Oh, my gosh. You know, it's so easy. To, it's so easy to mock Kapowell. I actually don't have a problem with him. I, I think he learned. And if I look back on Kapowell versus Greenspan, don't get me started on Greenspan. Yellen did what she did. The Bernanke did what he did, but I don't have a big problem with Powell. They have a very difficult job. My job is, you know, unless there's Powell futures, I can't trade him. So what I'm going to remember is until he gives me his S&P target, which ain't happening, I've got to remember 2019. And how many of you, you know, before 2020, 2019 Q1 was when Powell in Q4 went a little too far. He hiked one more time. He defied the Fed fund futures. I don't think he's going to do that again. He remembers. He remembers really clearly what happened when he hiked one too many times. And then he uttered on, what was it? One one of the television stations where he, Bernanke and Yellen, and he uttered the word patience. And that was the bottom. I don't think he's going to defy Fed Fund Futures again. And I think he learned his lesson back then. All right. Now, of course, one thing that I've been seeing is the consumer starting to slow down. 
are we just now getting to the recession that everybody says, well, at least most are saying that we already passed? I'll tell you what, my friend, Mitch, what the heck's a recession anymore? Because we had one, really, if you look at the GDP yeah, from quarters and quarters ago. So what's really interesting to me is that word now means nearly nothing because none of us, none of us know what it is before we had a measuring stick. I will say that's probably the one of the oddest things Powell chose to do, which is somehow redefine what a recession is. So now it's whatever they think it is. I don't know. So that's one of those things that our word doesn't mean anything because all four of us, what is it? I don't know. <laughs> one thing that I would mention is that they're saying they're data dependent, but it seems to me more <laughs> like they just can't analyze the data that they have. The data that they have is very interesting, right? We look at the models, and if anyone wants a really good laugh, and I know you guys know this, Google the difference between CPI and PCE. Even better, go to go to go to Chat GPT and ask, "Hey, what's the difference?" And you will realize if anyone hasn't done that. And for those of you that have, PCE is what they use for their models, personal consumption expenditure. Um, and if that PCE is the real world, it ain't earth. It ain't the world that we live in. CPI is a little bit more reflective of that. So we think of what their models are based upon. We can see why their numbers seem a little bonkers and their opinions seem bonkers from time to time. Um, so I, I look at it that way. That's what their models are built upon. I can judge whether that's good or bad, or I could just trade it. And at the end of the day, I don't get paid for judging. I get paid for putting on a trade and being right and managing risk. So I try to remember that and just keep slogging through this mess that we have. Raggy, I want to take it back to something you said just a few minutes ago here, and you talked about not buying stocks below the 200 day. And I mean, that's such a good tip here because it stops you from ever trying to catch the falling knife. So you're never, ever trying to catch a stock when it's going straight down, correct? I never, right. So there's two ways. So let me add a little bit more to that. Yeah, everything please. is time everything's time horizon i find whenever there's a disagreement amongst traders or or whomever it's a difference in time frame and time horizon so if i'm talking to someone looking at a one hour chart with a two day time horizon my take on say a daily or or, or weekly is going to sound bananas so when i talk about a 200 it's on the daily the other level that i like a lot is the 200 on the weekly so if we come hmm. down and meet the 200 on the weekly i i have probably built Three, over the course of three decades, that's probably my most common trigger when a weekly chart is at least either choppy or in an uptrend and meets that 200 on the weekly. Again, exponential. So you're absolutely right. I don't want to buy stuff south of the 200. And if we want to add another layer of that, so that's just price, right? What if we add something like an anchored VWAP? You know, what if we start looking at volume-based levels? So if I can add those two things together, price and volume, Volume is the only way to coattail the money, right? Not price. I want to know what the size is. I'm never going to be there first. I just need to make sure that size is there and I'm going to coattail it. So those are the two things that I found work best for me in any kind of environment. Yeah, Rocky is the one that gets all the meat. That's because I'm the one that always tries to catch the turn and I take that first bite. And then I and then I get out too soon, and I leave all the easy money for Raggy, man. I gotta Thank like you. start being more like Raggy. <laughs> hey, man, I'll tell man, you what. We always like take the first bite of something. We leave all the meat. We leave the meat for Raggy. 
Hey, but when you are right, your risk reward is going to be far better than mine. So I will say <laughs> that. The risk is high when I call those turns. The reward might be pretty good sometimes, but when you're trying to call a turn, the risk is super high. That is, it's just, that's just in our blood, man. You know, trying I, I'm, to call. I'm a turn trader. Yeah, but the, the best thing about Dennis is what he, uh, and for shorter term trading, is not, if he see if he's long something and he catches a turn, he'll flip into a short. And, you know, that is like, you know, for me, it's like, Oh, I, I was long. I shorted it. Now it's still going up. Oh, I should have stayed long. And that that's ability. But this is a really interesting discussion we're having here because on Monday we had Tim Quast on and he shows us his different filters and he had no stocks in his momentum filter. There Not wasn't one. one single stock that was in his momentum filter. And he said, you know, that's sometimes a sign that, you know, there's no momentum in the market. How many, I'm going to flip this to you. Like, how many stocks are in that that 200, you know, weekly uh, moving average range? Is is there a big universe? Is that something you research on the weekends? Because I, I'd be interested to know how many are in there. So I was looking at XLF this morning, right? We were. I heard you all talking about banks. If I look at XLF, and that's going to map to the Dow, right? Because the number one weighted sector in the Dow is is not industrials. It's not it's not transports. It's it's the financials. XLF is below the 200 exponential, but the K, uh, above it, but the KRE is below it. And it has been for a, gosh, for the year. I don't think the KRE has been uh, above the 200 since probably Q1, right? Yeah. So now that's going to make me think about what does KRE affect? Well, I can't touch the Russell to the long side. So I've got to leave that Russell to 2K alone. However, the Dow, as long as the XLF is above the 200, so it's going to direct me to a group of stocks. So now I'm looking at DIA. Now I'm looking at XLF, maybe JP Morgan versus I can't do the same thing on IWM. I can't do the same thing on KRE. So I try to think about the composition of the indices, get down to those top three, top four sectors, and then I'll look at the top one or two stocks. So as far as when I scan this, yeah, I'll scan about four dozen names mm -hmm. over the weekend and, and, and I like to look, I'm old school. I mean, I'm, I'm back and I know a lot of you guys are, you remember looking at paper charts. I remember getting oh, paper charts oh, I, in the mail. I love it. I used to front friendly up to my post office. So she'd come to books. my house first and get me my, my commodity price charts back in the day, those giant, you know, so I still like looking at the chart. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of sort of scanning the universe of technically similar symbols. I want to look at waiting because we live in a high concentration world. I remember going down to the uh, the um, convenience store at the Merck. Like every, I didn't buy it every week, but every maybe every two weeks, the technical perspectives, I think, is what it was called. And it was these thin pieces of paper. And you know, with all I, I want to show you chart. something right here. Yeah, I'm going to show you up at the camera. Here's I got some of these old ones for my friend. This is 1971 quote America. Oh, <laughs> and look at all the charts. Awesome. Oh, I want to cry a little bit. There. That's fantastic. Yeah, this is before computers and the internet. So he's like, he's it was a trader. He's passed away. He was an older gentleman that actually live beside me and he's like when you got these in the mail he's like this is the holy grail <laughs> you got bookmarks he's like, he's like and then he's like and he takes them and he would draw you know he'd draw the lines and he'd extend the charts like i got a whole pile of these he gave me all kinds of these things oh, all us awesome. new kids right now are just like what the hell is going on this is how it was man before this is how it was a these ruler, paper charts and you got a these pen. friday i don't know if i would have survived in those days came. 
This was your weekly chart book. So I'm feeling weepy right now. I'm feeling some you kind can of subscribe way. Subscribe to that. Look, we can even subscribe. Here's to fill it out. Publish weekly. There you go. Oh. All right. So, uh, Ragi, <laughs> what should we be maybe looking here on pullbacks? Of course, we don't need to be looking at it right now, but at least just what is on your mind as we get in this deep pullback? You're going to start maybe thinking about later in the year, but what's on that outlook? Let's just survive to end of quarter, right? Let's just okay. keep it short term. To me, it's one hour time frame or less, or even better. I've been day trading, five minute time frame, get in, get out, be done by lunch because I don't trust follow through. And even if it's heading lower, short squeezes have been brutal. And if we're going to see a short squeeze, it's going to be that Q3 to Q4 type mentality of let's buy that stuff on sale. Let's, let's have possibly the best ride higher into Q4, at the end of the year, I can show, you know, again, I'm thinking about how money would behave. Are they going to sell into the end of the year? I don't think so. They're going to look for some bargain hunting, knowing that we can, we can really press Jerome Powell with Fed fund futures. Look, we want our cut back in March or May. So that's, that's what I'm really looking at. Those are scenarios. Unless I see evidence of that in the data, in the Fed fund futures and in price action, that's all an idea that I've got to wait for uh, an actual validation of, but keep it short term until the end of the quarter. Start bargain hunting in the first two weeks of October. I'm writing that okay. down. Bargain hunting first two weeks of October. Let's go okay. shopping. All right, so we're gonna I'm end ready. the seg. I'm gonna end the segment here in a little bit different fashion, Rocky. Okay, something I've never done before. Hmm. Okay, so I know those are real books on your bookshelves, right? Oh yes. Yeah, because I've I've been I've been fooled by people. You know, uh, no, it's a Google Meet. It's a yeah. it's a green screen behind you. Okay, and so I I know that you probably have a lot of financial books up there, right? No, no. no. Okay, all right. Because I okay. I think uh, okay maybe six or seven, maybe six, six or seven. Or seven. Okay, I know. I'll take a guess who you have a book in there, and I, I can guess an author that people won't recognize. Are you ready? Uh, Dara Torres. Oh, <laughs> Dara is actually one of my best friends. So You're yes, me. I've got yeah her You're and I've been very me. good friends for twenty years. Yeah. You're kidding me. No, she's so yeah. I've got one of her books on my shelf. She was so ticked off. She came over and said, "Where are my books? Who 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 is Shawbacher? Who is Wickoff? Who are these guys? Where's my book?" She said. She said, "You better turn mine and make it face forward. I don't, I don't want that. You know, just the binding showing there. You, That's well, how you know okay. you really like a book. You turn it around, right, and show the there cover." You <laughs> well, you can tell her that I'm just an absolute huge fan of hers. And if uh, if you guys don't know who Dara Torres is, then you've been living under a rock. She's a 12-time Olympic medalist and former world record holder in three events in swimming, in sprinting, and swimming. And if she would offer me, you know, just because of our friendship, a few swim lessons, we could even do uh, it virtual. Uh, uh. I would really, I would really appreciate it. So I was really worried I was going to lay an egg there, uh, Raggy, but uh, you came up, you came up with the save. <laughs> I will let her know. I will let her know. I'll pass that on. Okay. All right. And here, so you guys could at least get a little a little connection there. Look at the gold medals. Appreciate you guys. She did it in her She's a lot of gold. She did the most exactly. She, yeah, she's the oldest team. Yep, she's the oldest. 41. Yep. And she tried to make the team again at uh, 44. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's that's a really impressive. Being a guy that's trying to play some sports at 32, I couldn't imagine that. So uh 
Definitely appreciate you. Like always, you guys check out Simpler Trading. And I also love the morning uh, conversation that you guys gave. If you guys haven't checked it out, definitely get her Twitter. Ragi does a, a nice little morning recap for you guys that you guys can definitely check out. Always good to have you on. And we'll keep bringing you back. It's always uh, you, a friend. lot of people's, a lot of, you get a lot of love from our chat. I will give you that. I think personally, I need to start taking some statistical data, but I think you might be the most loved out there right now. Hey, the, the feeling is mutual. I love the energy. Look, anyone who's getting up, sit with you guys trying to be better at this game called trading. Absolute respect. I love retail traders risking our own money, making our own decisions. Mad respect. Like I always Mad say, respect. real recognizes real. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you, guys. All right, let's get back to the market. How are we looking, Joel? Still on a leak, or did someone uh, close up that? Uh, nah, the put a knot in that hose or something, because man, Dennis stuck his finger in the dike there, and uh, 40, <laughs> I, I got. Needs I got, to I, stop going down. <laughs> I need to sell more stocks. Give me a pop, man. Come on, I'm cheering against what I think, but I want to sell more stocks. Yeah, uh, and, and where are you going to be looking at? Mm. tech selling tech. Uh, uh, i like just selling more stocks period i think raising cash look at this apple yeah apple you can there have you all go. those remember all those analysts defending iphone sales look great man let's buy apple up five bucks on that we're all those <laughs> buyers now back down to the lows kramer saying when is that 188 if you didn't buy Apple, you're never getting another chance. Ooh. We got a chance two days later, Kramer. It's back down below there. But Kramer's hush and he'll only talk about his winners. That has an ugly head and shoulders. Apple. Really ugly now. Yeah. So not get... only are the fundamentals just ridiculously overvalued, you're now losing the technicals. So the yeah. momentum is gone. See a momentum. You literally have that beautiful uptrend broken. Then you just created this head and shoulders right here, too. Like it just stands out like a sore thumb. And 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 Redler, we haven't had Scott Redler on in a long time, but he was tweeting last night. He's like, there are head and shoulders everywhere in this I market. I know. I know. It's like know. everywhere. Every chart you bring up, it's like head and shoulders. IWM, head and shoulders. QQQ, uh, head and shoulders. I mean, it's just like everywhere. Now, maybe this is like the most, it's so clean that it's going to go the other way just to screw everyone. And that's how things work. Maybe we're all getting too bearish here. I think you're going to have some pops. I think there's going to be more opportunities. Never, never easy on the bears, you know, it, but I do think like you're adding it all up. I think you're in for a rough, we're in for a little bit of a rough store, but I agree with Rocky. Have a shopping list because when we fall another, you know, if we fall another like six, seven, eight percent from here, people aren't going to like that. Ooh. I think you gotta have, you know, be putting some of that cash to work. Cause I don't think, it's going back to the October lows. And the same reason that I'm not getting super bearish, not 100% cash, is that the Fed has all the ammo. When, they, when the economy starts to teeter, they can lower rates. So I, you yeah. got the Fed. You'll have the Feds back again. And that's why it's hard to get super bearish end of the world talk here. We're just trying to take the bubble out. That's what I'm trying to do. Like, like That's what I'm trying to talk about here. It's like bubblish, you know, when Apple's 30 times earnings and Microsoft's 32 times earnings, it's dumb. It's flat out dumb. They don't have the growth that they did before. It's fine to pay 30 times earnings. The companies are growing at 30% a year. When they're growing at 6 7% or not growing at all in the case of Apple, 
and you're paying 30 times earnings, you're paying too much. Too much, too much. Dennis, I think uh, and just to um, add on to your point here and with uh, with the show and what you and I tried to create over the years is, you know, there, there's always like two sides of the market. Like everyone's like, like, what to buy? What to buy? You know, we're buying a dip. Where do you buy the dip? And, uh, you know, with your, you know, watching the markets all the time, you said this a couple of days ago and you said they're starting to come after some of the winners. So, you know, maybe if you're not super there in the buying mode right now, maybe if you're sitting on huge profits on something, you know, look at it, look at the market environment. And I'm, I'm using ELF as an example. I mean, I wanted to short that thing since the gap up in June. OK, yeah. it goes to 100 to 140. OK, and now it's back at 105. I mean, the timing of it would have been you know, impossible. And then uh, we had Todd Gordon on yesterday. I love his analysis. Um, you know, he's in the Celsius holdings, right? Uh, I was just is- going to bring up Celsius. What did he say? What did he say about Celsius? He, he, he said he, he, he has a huge profit. He's, he's not selling it and he's not necessarily uh, buying more, uh, but he has some downside protection on it. But as far as absolutely getting out of the stock, He's waiting for the next earnings report. And then but if you're buying see- puts, you're hedged. Yeah. You know, if you have downside protection, maybe you wrote some co- covered. You, you're, you know, if you're just writing calls, you're not hedged. But if you're buying puts, you're hedged. So I don't consider that long anymore, even though you have that. Yeah. But that's Celsius candle. This is such a great point you're making here. They're coming after the winners, folks. Elf, Celsius, boom. Just like that. It was 20 bucks one day. Just like that. Yeah. Why? Yeah, those- everybody's sitting there. Oh, it's, you know, hot. It's the momentum trade. It's what to be in. They're coming after the winners. That's scary when you start losing leadership. NVIDIA lost its leadership two weeks ago. When's the analyst going to start chasing here? here today. Oh, what they about? All- oh, oh, yeah. Great point, Mitch. Go ahead on that. Go yeah, ahead. they all chase to the upside on NVIDIA, have outlooks in the 600s. I think someone even had like an 800 high. Um, when are they going to the start analysts. chasing that Lemmings. saying that, oh, Oh, maybe AI isn't as big of a driver as they think it's going to be. I think that ARM really is what happened here, right? Let's just be honest. Um, ARM coming in at that valuation is wrecking the party right now. Lemmings. And somebody's asking, why is the PFF down? I'm going to tell you right now, I said this back when the KRE started rolling over the PFF. Remember I called Mm -hmm. that? And I was like, this this risk reward for the PFF is now setting up the same way that it's possibly one of the worst risk rewards out there. It's full of bank preferreds. It gives you only 6.9%. You get five and a half in cash, and it's full of a bunch of bank preferreds. You start losing regional banks, you see PFF fall off a cliff. I truly believe that risk reward, because if you short it, you're not going to lose much, but if it, you know, if you start getting the banking problems, this thing could go down quickly. And it doesn't, it's not like it's gonna fall like 29, 28, but you can put on huge size on something like that on the short side and not have a lot of risk. So I'm always looking at like risk reward. I mean, what's your risk? The thing goes to 31, 31 and a half. I mean, if you're wrong, but if if you do see banks, you know, it's not a bad play to short PFF as a huge hedge, like a huge short on PFF. So lots to think about there, but absolutely risk reward to buy PFF. I think you're nuts. I think you're nuts over cash. That's my opinion. If you're buying PFF for a 6.9% dividend. I think you're crazy because go throw it in five and a half cash. It's safer 
It's obviously safe compared to the PFF. It's full of bank preferreds, regional banks, all through there. All kinds of regional bank preferreds in there. So if we go into regional banking problems again, PFF gets hammered. But we don't know that's going to happen. I'm just saying risk-reward sets up that you can be short this and not risk a lot. You could probably buy puts dirt cheap on something like this. I don't know what puts are going. It's probably dirt cheap because there's not a lot of volatility. But man, if the, if the crap hits the fan in the regional banks, PFF will get hit. All right, Joel, last outlook on the yes. Yeah, uh, you know, we talk bearish, we talk bearish, we talk bearish, and then we're 10, puts off, 10 points off the pre-market low. Uh, so I lower the day. I mean, I'm, you know, don't take this to the bank, but it could be one of those days where they just wolf it up in the pre-market. They press it down there during the regular session, and, you know, we get a little pop and mosey back up. So the only thing, I have 44.03 and a quarter. That's your pre-market low. Uh, this is one of these days because we've already had the extended range that if it goes through that area, I'm, I'm late, not not touching it on the short side. It could, you know, have a quick undercut. Coming back on the upside, man, there's just nothing in there. You got to maybe uh, look at mid-range on the session, uh, 44.22, maybe 44 and a quarter if you're looking for a pop. And uh, for tomorrow, so... Under the, the market circumstances of what's been going on, who possibly could be like the best guest to have? Oh, no, wait, that's next week. Oh, wait, I thought he was coming on tomorrow. Nope, that's next week. Uh, tomorrow's guest, well, no, she's, she's still a great guest. Back-to-back, calm voices. We're going to have Mee Schneider on at uh, 8.35. It's uh, Ryan Dietrich that's coming on a week uh, a week from today. Nice. All right, we're going to wrap it up. Like always, you guys can check out more from Joel Alcon and Dennis Dick. Check them out on the closing print. Give them a nice little follow, guys, at Spoose, Triple D Trader. Always good to have you guys, and we'll have you back tomorrow. All right, getting wrapping up here on pre-market prep. I'm going to give you guys the outlook of none other than, of course, our Cannabis Capital event. Have you guys checked it out? You guys still can get a chance to get some insights, guys. Don't want to miss it. It's going to be in Chicago, Illinois. So anybody out in Chicago, don't miss this event, guys. Check it out. I want to give you guys the link so that you guys can go ahead and get there where deals are made, group networking events every day, official networking app. You guys can go ahead and check it out. And, of course, the hottest after party in cannabis. You guys don't want to miss that. That's going to be on Chicago Thursday, September 28th. Check it out, guys. I'm going to give you guys the link here. And like always, you guys can check out all our events on this website. And we do the best in cannabis. So definitely, you don't want to miss this event. And I'll tell you right now, it's a really hot conversation on what's going on with rescheduling. What's going to happen? Are investors starting to show interest again in the space? Don't miss your opportunity of understanding not only the cannabis industry, but what's coming next? Smash the like, guys. I'll see you guys over on live trading. That's coming up next. Don't go anywhere.